This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome. This is Dr. Vic, and you are on the Mindful Experiment as we share another amazing interview this week. Um, I had the distinct pleasure uh, to interview John Voris. This was an amazing uh, interview. He really has a unique way of looking at things to help understand people, the power that drives an individual's personality, what does it dictate your behaviors, and so much more. It was a really in-depth process that I really enjoyed. And so really quick, John Voris, he educates about the very things that make us tick, the roots that make for success or failure in our work, relationships, and personal well-being. John is a philosopher, a writer, a psychological researcher. John earned his degree from the University of California with a degree in philosophy. Discover the power that drives your personality is a result of over 20 years of application and another 16 years of research. By applying European discoveries into the field of application involving hundreds of sales projects, John invented a groundbreaking approach to personal inquiry that revealed a person's life motivation and authentic design far beyond sales. He discovered that our drive for personal happiness, meaning purpose and harmony manifests the hidden power beneath our observed personality. It was a lot of fun to talk with John about this because I was like, as he was telling me the different personality types and so forth, um, if it's love, justice, wisdom, or power, I was like, man, which one am I? Where do I fall in? And you'll hear him actually dissect me down a little bit and really um, break down of who I am and how that plays a role in my life as a chiropractor, as a doctor, but then also as a mentor, mentor and coach and so much more. So it was really fascinating. I highly get the pen and paper out. Make sure you put this on a favorite. It's a really good one. Here is John Boris. 
John, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I, I was looking at your book and looking at everything and doing my due diligence. And uh, uh, I really feel like you have some really good stuff to chat about and, and, and inspire the listeners and all that stuff. So um, I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yes. So I always love to ask this question right off the bat, and that is, how did you get into what you're doing now? What kind of led you that way? Where did you know life throw some curveballs? Just how did you end up going from where you were to where you are at this point? Well, um, I was a student at uh, Berkeley, and I had a major in philosophy, and I was going to go into law. And uh, I needed a part-time job, like most students. And what was very attractive, of course, is door-to-door cold call sales because you didn't have any, uh, uh, you didn't need any uh, prior experience, and they would do all the training, and you could just design your own hours. And so I made that uh, attempt uh, four times. And I uh, worked for very good companies, door-to-door cold calling, and I got fired four times. And I would go out to uh, workshops if they're available and uh, seminars, read books, et cetera, and, and go back out looking for another cold call job. And, and uh, this time I decided I'm going to quit first before I go through the humiliation of being fired. And so uh, I went through seven uh, companies. I graduated, uh, and then I decided I didn't want to go into law school, and I bought a, a delicatessen. And when I sold it, um, the uh, one of my vendors said, well, come, would you like to sell uh, my product? And I said, well, sure. I've been using it now for years. So that would be wholesale. That's very, very different because these uh, would be sandwich shops and grocery stores, et cetera. And um, right when my uh, business was in escrow, uh, he had to file bankruptcy. But he said, don't worry about it. We're going to go back to, where, back to where this company started 50 years ago with door-to-door cold call sales. So now I'm facing seven attempts at cold call sales and failure. But now I have a wife and child to support. So to say the least, I was absolutely terrified. And for me, I had fallen through the cracks when it came to all the workshops and seminars on sales, overcoming objections, uh, you know, et cetera. So it didn't work for me. It worked for others. So what I decided to do was take a look at communication and what that's all about. Communication is the number one tool for anyone in sales. And communication and language is such a huge topic. It would fill a, a modest bookstore of all the books that have been written on the, to- on the subject, but they're from Europe. Most of them are from Europe. And so through my studies, um, I, uh, I decided to experiment with the ideas that, that European philosophers and psychologists had and I would go out into the world and actually try them. And within three months, I had a pattern. In six months, uh, I had uh, a model. And believe it or not, that model lasted for the next 20 years. So I was cold calling for 20 years and supporting my family when, before this happened, I had seven failures. And when I learned what communication was actually about and how I had fallen through the cracks and these sources made up that gap, I realized that uh, there's a lot of people in in the same situation, that they go to many outstanding courses and works for most people. But darn it, some people just, uh, uh, they don't derive the same uh, benefits. And so I retired and decided that I would uh, start a program where I would assess people. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's about, I sit with them for about two hours and ask them uh, about 30 questions. And we together can find their authentic identity. We can find their, uh, their life theme that motivates them. But it's beneath the personality. And once they make that discovery, then I watch them and everything just, just falls together for them. And they have a sense of wholeness then that they didn't have before. And so that's what I've been doing. And then, of course, I wrote the book, Discover the Power That Drives Your Personality. I love that. What a journey. Um, a lot of experiences there. One of the things I'm curious to know is how does, you know, what, how does your life theme play a role in like choices that you make? How does it affect you, which directions you go and so forth? Okay. So um, 
you have four, and the four uh, life themes uh, actually derive from uh, one was anthropology. Uh, there's a uh, uh, woman, uh, Angelus uh, Aaron, who discovered that they are four uh, motivating sources among the shamans of the world. And they break it down to uh, mother, the co- concept, the archetype mother, and uh, the teacher, and the visionary, and the warrior. Now, that combination is repeated throughout history, and um, even can go back to the Egyptians. Uh, and what's interesting even today is the United Nations, uh, the educational, scientific, and cultural organization, cite four uh, uh, major motivations, which is um, the need to learn, uh, the need to work with other people, uh, the need to uh, be, be who you are, uh, and, uh, the, and the actions, to be in action to make change. So you take those four, and they really do design your motivations. So for me, mine is wisdom. All that means is I'm always wanting to know. And so that cur- that really does decide uh, my decisions and how I look at the world, my worldview, my values, et cetera. And so that's also true with all three. And in fact, um, what I, I've done now for about eight years, I worked with uh, 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 career coaches and I sit with their client and we, together we find their uh, authentic motivation, their life theme, and they see exactly why they're having a problem with, with career selection. And uh, she has a 97% placement rate and over 95% retention over five years. So after, we re- after they take the position, uh, they're happy and they don't go anywhere. And so before, um, when they've taken uh, more like a, a other tests uh, that has to do with uh, doing um, uh, how you perform, um, they didn't find these answers. So it, it's a great benefit, and it does form and direct your decision-making. I love it. Is your life theme like something that you develop? Is it like something you get to choose? Um, or is it, you know, is it just something that you, you learn over time? This is things that this is what makes you um, like you like wisdom. So it's, it's one of those things like, is it um, how does that all get determined in a sense? How does it happen? Yeah. So notice that um, as you get older, um, uh, we sometimes complain. We're a little bit like our parents. And we are in some ways. Of course, we're not. In other ways, in the most important ways, we're not. But um, we're all born with what I call a starter kit, a genetic starter kit. And they offer the forms uh, uh, of love, justice, wisdom, and power. And uh, we inherit them. So I inherited my wisdom from my father. And now that I have the wisdom archetype, I get to fill it any way I want. And that's where, so you have form and content. So I fill it any way I want. Whatever career uh, I'll have, it's going to be something that is, is somewhat uh, intellectually demanding. And that's my preference. And uh, you have yours and all your listeners has theirs. But th- as far as a the life theme is concerned, you're born with it. You have all four, love, justice, wisdom, and power, but one dominates. And it's very easy to pick up. Uh, in fact, I taught my daughter uh, when she was 14 how to do this, to uh, dis- uh, discover the life themes of people. And it helps her in communicating with them, discussing things with them, because she actually sees what motivates them beneath the language. And that's how I was able to sell for those 20 years. Very cool. And would you say like, so when you know what your life theme is and then you start nurturing it, nurturing it and feeding it, does that create more inspiration in your life? Does that create more fulfillment in those things in that nature? Yeah. What happens is uh, we feel it. We feel, I'm always compelled to, to learn. Some people are compelled to see both sides of the situation uh, some people are compelled to think of uh, how people are harmed, and they'd like to correct that. And they don't know why, but that just seems to be the way it is. Well, your life theme, in that case, has control over you. Once I assess someone, then they're able to have control over it. 
And that makes a profound difference because you can direct it. Uh, you can never turn it completely off, but you can redirect it. What I do is I say, uh, it's like uh, uh, now you're in a car uh, going down a road with ruts and you're just, and it's nighttime and the lights are off. You're just going to, your tires are just going to dip into the ruts. That's how it is now. Once you learn your life theme and more, because I have an authentic identity that I can help people discover, then it's like turning the lights on at night. Now you see the ruts don't go away, but now you can kind of swerve around them. And that's how many of my clients have described it. That's pretty interesting. And do you have, is there like a, a process or a system that, you know, um, I know you have it in your book and so forth. So for the listeners, highly recommend getting the book uh, to go deeper into this, but anything that could be like, how can um, um, we'll learn how to express their, their authentic identity? Well, one way you can actually find it um, is uh, not that difficult. Uh, one aspect of, of my sales process, the way it s- slowly started to evolve, was uh, uh, people uh, have things around them, the physical things, that they like. And they like them because they resonate or conform to that authentic identity. So when you look at the things around you, ask yourself, what do these things mean to me? And what's going to happen uh, is you're, you're going to see that they're all tethered to one or two ideas. And that gives you the opening to see more of what really motivates you beneath what you think motivates you. And um, I've had a lot of people do that and do it very successfully. Usually after I assess one person, they always want to go out in the world and start assessing everybody else. They, they have enough tools to start it. Sometimes they can become very, uh, very good at it. Uh, sometimes not. They give me a call once in a while. But you can do that. Once you find your own, then you know that everyone else has their own. And your job is to find it. And once you find it, there are so many things that can happen. For example, not only career, but how about relationships? Uh, there is a pattern on what people get along the best and what people, which ones don't. And really, it's about these archetypes, these uh, life themes. So the love and wisdom people do not get along. Uh, the love and uh, power people don't get along. And uh, the reason why, as I discussed in the book, is there's so many qualifications for each that many of the values these two groups have are uh, in contradiction to each other. And so once you find these patterns, you could see why you like someone, why you don't. Uh, your boss, why do you get along with some, some you don't. You're going to find out why you married the person and why maybe you divorced that person. It really covers everything you do. And so um, it, it, it has a huge application because I've worked with business and I've worked with uh, individuals. That's awesome. How much does, uh, I'm a big person in the value systems. I've done a lot of work. I don't know if you heard of the gentleman, uh, Dr. John Martini. I've done his work over 10 years ago. And it, uh-huh. it summed up a lot of stuff about like people doing their, based on what your value system is, you're bringing a point up that he'll say a lot of too, that I think is really powerful. Like look at the things that are around you and that, you know, kind of sum it up for you a little bit to find your authentic identity. Um, does values play a role in this in some way, shape or form? Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, that's how you not only derive uh, your daily life and what's important, but you actually design your own identity through values. Um, uh, there's a uh, uh, subject, uh, axiology, and it's a study of values. And who you are are your values. And they do change, some change over time, some don't. And the ones that don't are, are cling to your authentic uh, identity and your life thing. Um, so you have opportunity to change, opportunity to stay, but it is absolutely based on value. I love that. And do you, you're, you're bringing up some stuff that I know the listeners are probably getting a little curious, like you're talking about the people who are wisdom versus love and that, how they don't get along. Um, what, you know, what are, you know, besides like with, if you can give, share some examples of why let's, and I'm going to just use wisdom because I know that you said that your personality, why would that go against somebody who is, let's say their, their authentic identity is love. Okay. 
so a love person is uh, uh, focused on harm. Is someone getting harmed? Uh, a good example is, uh, uh, let's say, this whole issue of gun control. The uh, love people will say, we need to get rid of guns, period, and because people are getting hurt. And they're right. But on the other hand, a wisdom person would say, well, fine, but there's extenuating circumstances that we have to consider, like constitutional rights. So right there, you start having a battle. The thing is, is they're both right. Um, and this is a, a social issue that um, uh, is not going to go away very easily. Um, so that's one example. Um, justice people, though, are uh, the most complex, and they have both lo- their combination of love and wisdom. So if I were speaking to a justice person, I may get along with them on this point. Then on the other hand, they may have a great deal of love, and we just won't see eye to eye. Both people are right. But what's happening is the argument is not between the people. It's really between what cont- what what is dominating uh, them as far as ideology goes. It's the ideas that are in conflict. And uh, that's because that forms their values and their worldviews. And so that's a good example of people not getting along that topic. That's a great example. How about if, if, if you think this is good, we can go down this route a little bit, just explaining like the difference of each of them. So like what is an authentic identity for love? You know, just, I know you mentioned a little bit just recently, but um, like how is that portrayed out? How do they live that? So the listeners can kind of be like, oh, that may sound like me. And it sounds like that might be something that I do and so forth. Well, uh, keep in mind, we have all four, but um, the uh, uh, love people are uh, the champions of humanity. That's their focus. They want to ensure uh, the safety and well-being of people, and that's their major focus. The wisdom people, they are the teachers of the world. The uh, justice people are always concerned with what's fair, right, uh, good in the world. The justice people, uh, because they see both fact and sentiment at the same time, they're able to be uh, the, the go-to for advice, personal advice. So if you have people that come to you constantly about advice, it could very well be that you're a justice person. If you're always wanting to know, you're a wisdom person. The power people, they want to get things done. They are the ones that are always responsible that they want to be responsible, and that's what feeds them. So if you're always wanting to be responsible, then it's, uh, that's the power. But to show you, too, how it works with all of us, let's say you go to, the, your, go to your water spout in your, in, your, in your kitchen, and the water's coming out brown. So it, you look at it, and you say, there's something wrong. That's your justice giving a value. And... This may not be healthy. This won't be healthy. That's your love. Next is, I need to know what's going on. There's your wisdom. You get into action and make a phone call to the water department. So you see, and you don't necessarily go in that order, but you go back and forth. But then your theme is controlling it. So so if you're a love theme, you're, you're really focused on the health of people. And that's where you'll take a stand and argue with others that need, th- need, things need to be changed. Uh, if you're a wisdom, then the idea is you want things changed from uh, how the procedures are, are conducted with regards to uh, water safety. Uh, if you're a power person, it's about we need to get things done. We're going to go out to the factory and make physical changes if we have to. And the justice people would say, okay, this is just not right. We've got to get things done. And they, they're all getting it done, but they're coming from different points of view. So as a listener, think to yourself, okay, how would you go about this whole issue of, say, bad water coming out of the faucet? Uh, how do you go about, uh, how do you buy your car? Why do you live where you live? I mean, you could really, really attack any issue you want, and you're going to start to see that there's something dominating in your vision. It's pretty good. I appreciate you breaking that down like that because it, it, I could see the how we do have a little bit of each of those, but mm-hmm. then there's that one that's like the the most dominant one that we would would choose over all the others. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Very interesting. 
And, um, and it just kind of just, again, I could see, I'm starting to see the image. I hope the listeners, you guys are too, where it's the, it, this can now all of a sudden play a whole role on every aspect of your life. Um, just knowing these things and you're, you're going to kind of have a better understanding of yourself and how you're going to react and, and, and how you're going to be in certain situations. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and also, uh, what is important to me is, um, uh, many people, um, uh, are upset with themselves when they don't get what they think they want. And that's very important. Um, I wanted to be a teacher, for example. And so uh, my parents wanted me to be attorney. And so uh, I went that route and um, to going to, attending to go to law school, but it didn't work out for me. And in the meantime, time is marching on. Responsibilities are getting heavier. And by the time I was, uh, you know, 35, uh, I couldn't go back. Uh, and we all experienced that. So uh, what happens is when we're young, we're not born knowing what we want to do. And what happens is we're influenced by everyone around us. And so what we wind up doing is choosing something that really doesn't resonate with who we are, but rather with what we're told we should be. And that, that really starts uh, the, the problems in, our, in, in daily life. So if you're not aware of who you are, that really motivates you beneath your personality, then you're aware of the same possibilities, let's say, uh, of uh, careers. But what happens is you might decide, like I did, I think the law would be really good for me. But come to find out I had a non-conforming relationship with the idea of law, but I didn't know it at the time. Uh, then, what, then that opportunity uh, of being an attorney was really false. So you have possibilities turning into opportunities, and then you make a choice. So my choice was inauthentic, and I was not happy. So when you do something that is in conforming to who you are, you're still aware of the same possibilities, but now you create uh, conforming relationships with those possibilities. Which ones really do resonate with who you are? Then you have real, true opportunities because we're not born just to do one thing in life. There's, there's a range of things that we would do, and we would be happy at it, but it is a specific range. And so you have these opportunities, but now you make a choice that's going to be authentic and you're going to, you're going to find happiness, overall happiness. And that, that's uh, very, very important. And that's what I focus on with my clients is what is it that they really want? Why are they not happy? And we always find it's connected to their authentic identity. Their life theme is not being fully expressed. And then when, once they find it, then they can make the adjustments, but they know why they're making the adjustments. They know why they're unhappy and how to become happier than they are. That's really, really good stuff there. One of the things that's flying in my head right now that I'm thinking of is, you know, let's say there's someone out there listening and they're in a career or maybe even a business because uh, you brought up some good points about like, I thought I wanted to do this, but then realized that wasn't really me. Right. 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 Um, I, I've gone through that in similar situations or like what really success is. And then finding out when I got there, I was like, this is not my definition. That's right. You know, things like that. How would someone who's in a career or maybe even a business um, and they're just not they're not fulfilled or inspired? Um, how would this guide them? How would this kind of shift those gears? Or make uh, them become aware. Sure. Um, once you find out what your life theme and your authentic identity is, then you then see what I do is I go through a two hour process. And I tell them, uh, I tell them, I'm going to, together, we're going to decorate a Christmas tree. And I don't know what those bulbs look like. I don't know the colors. I don't know where they're going to be placed. So I don't have any idea about, uh, I don't, I don't prejudge the situation. Just that that's very important for them to know. We're going to do this together. And over a two hour period, uh, what I do is I ask them just a few questions like, Describe uh, the last time uh, you became angry. What happened? What happened when you, you, that something happened you, that made you uh, happy or gave you a sense of joy? And all these questions are all tethered to the same thing. What makes you upset is tethered to the same thing that, that makes you happy. So once we find that, 
then they actually see exactly in the moment, in those two hours, they're adjusting themselves on how they perceive their career. And so many people uh, love what they do, but they don't like their job or they like their job. They don't like what they do. This is very classical because uh, people, when you're young, are the, the adults around you will see certain skills and, and uh, abilities and they'll say, ah, that's what you should do. Let's say you're a good speaker. Well, someone will say, you ought to be an attorney. Another one would say, no, you ought to be in sales. The thing of it is, is that just because you have that one skill or an ability, it doesn't designate the type of career you should have the rest of your life. And, and that starts it off. So they'll always be good speakers. And uh, that's what I like. That's what I like to do. But I don't want to be an IRS agent, for example. And so that's a good example. So and I had that happen. Uh, someone was very good in statistics, but they don't want to be an IRS agent. Uh, just because you have a, a great mind for detail does not mean you should be in uh, com- uh, computer programming. I mean, this is what happens to people is they look at a skill and, th- and they want to say that is what's going to direct your life. And they're missing the point. The point is, is that how your skill is uh, driven comes from a different place. And that comes from your authentic identity and your life theme. I like that. And would, is there like, so for example, with the identities, is there like specific ones that like are designed for certain things? Like, for example, I'm a chiropractor. So, um, you know, is it, is all four play on a role in that? Or is it like one would be most common for that? Or in our profession, we're a little unique because you can go to a hundred chiropractors and they'll kind of be very different in their own way, which is interesting. Um, how does that play a role in that perspective? Okay, so let's take uh, let's take that example. Um, there's a difference between what you do and who you're being, and basically, uh, people are focused on what they do and they try to make adjustments in that arena. But what I focus on is uh, what it takes to be a chiropractor, and so. I know, for example, that you're a justice person, you're a justice theme. And the reason why is there's two aspects to what you're doing. One is you have a drive to take care of people, to uh, alleviate them of pain. That's the love side of who you are. But the wisdom side is I had to learn a great deal in order to do this. And that is a classic justice. Justice people are really designed to be the entrepreneurs of the world. Because they could see both sides, the love and the wisdom at the same time. And uh, so uh, what I do is I take uh, people who are justice and analyze uh, their careers and they see how their justice theme is contributing to their careers. Sometimes uh, you may have a power person and decide, I want to be a chiropractor. That's not going to work very well. Because they're going to want to control everything and they want to be in power. And um, that's not going to be all that great for the, for the patient. It doesn't work that well. The love people, they want to just be nice and gooey and take care of you. But sometimes they're just not that interested in knowing things that does not attribute to uh, that ability of caring. Uh, so to be a justice person, a chiropractor makes absolute sense. But as a justice person, there's a whole array of things you can do. And this is just one. What we're not discussing is, if you like, uh, physical over abstract results. That is uh, also characteristic of people, um, of everyone. And I make that discovery, and that helps in seeing if they're in the right career as well. Very interesting. I like the way you bring that, brought that to the table here. How does then, does your life theme, does it like change? Because like you brought up a power person, not great to be a chiropractor. And for me, in the beginning of my career, I was like, okay, we're going to help people. We can do this. We can get to this level. And that's how we're going to do things. And it's funny, over time, I'm more like, it's their journey. I have no clue how things are going to transcend because it's their healing process and everyone's healing process is individual. And I come from a different approach now from that. Do things change over time or is it like kind of like you have all four, but then this is just the main one and that's just who you are. Okay. So um, 
uh, the justice will never leave. Uh, your attitude toward it does change over time with maturity and experience. But uh, you're not going to start harming people. Um, you're not going to quit helping people and uh, be a recluse and read books all day. So you see, th- th- that will never change. But your attitude will change with, with the experience. And in the very beginning, you, your, your, uh, I'd say your passion for helping others is uh, controlling. But you're not in, you don't want to control them. That's the difference with power people. You don't want to control them. You have no interest in controlling. You want to see them get better, and you wish you could, but you're not about to try to control people and demand that they do things. Um, and so over time, you, you've, you're going to test that out, and it's going to be uh, uh, morphed into something different, but you're never going to stop being who you are. Awesome. When is a good time for people or an age for someone to start doing this work to try to figure this out? Um, I'll, I'll give you an experience. I had, uh, I, whenever I deal with a minor, I always have a parent here. And so um, she was, I think, about uh, 16. And uh, he wanted her to become either a realtor or an attorney. And um, so, at, so he's there through the entire two hours. And in that two hours, you can really see a huge adjustment in his attitude and her attitude. She discovered that she wanted to be a child psychologist. And in that moment, he looked, he looked at her in, in, in such a different way and that something happened. And now the father, of course, just wants her to be happy. And now he's thinking that now I'm going to put my money in a different college. She's going to be in a different career than I thought. Uh, I didn't know she was that uh, intellectual, uh, that she needed a little bit more challenges in life. Uh, she discovered that that's where her mind has always been, but now she's got a label to it. And uh, in that moment, her whole life changed as far as the direction she was going to go into. That is those people between 15, those young kids between 15 and 18 make profound changes and their life starts out very different. Those are, uh, they actually benefit the most. Because people uh, in their 30s and 40s, they can make changes, but uh, most of it is uh, by perception, but um, they can't make a, a real uh, physical changes because they're, they're married and they have children and responsibility. They'll still make changes, but then become more happy that that will happen. Or if they can make a change in career, that will happen. But with children, it's, it's uh, everything. It's, it's uh, holistic. It's a holistic a dynamic change. I could see that. I mean, I could just see that if I back in my day and when I was in high school as a teenager, if I understood some of these things that you're talking about, we're discussing in this podcast, I I would be drastically different because then it would make more sense instead of going through the hard knocks of life, trying to go back and forth and try to all these, uh, I would say, failing forward in a sense to learn more about myself to figure these things out instead of be like, this is kind of how I am then let's look how that approaches to what I do. Exactly. And so uh, um, the, the passions that I have, have in doing this came from my parents wanted me to be an attorney. And because I uh, missed being a teacher, which is what I really wanted to do um, at that time, uh, I felt like uh, there wasn't any meaning in, in, for me in life, that I, my purpose was gone and I really didn't feel connected to people around me. And, of course, you take those three, and uh, that has an impact on your sense of self, your self-affirmation. So it was after I, after I had the delicatessen and I was in sales, I was resigned to selling. Even though I made money, I made more money than a lot of other people who were quite more, more talented than I was. But uh, I just wasn't happy at all. When I had the deli and I made very good money, I wasn't happy at all. So that's the key. And I wish I had learned what I later learned back when I was a teenager. Yeah, I would have to go through all these experiments and uh, heartaches. And uh, it would have been very different for me as well. 
Very interesting. How about how does these play a role for someone, let's say, because I do have some listeners who are entrepreneurs and they have their own businesses and, and teams and so forth. Is there a dynamic when it comes to a team? Is it better to have all four different types because of the angles and how they approach things? Or is it um, what, or is it more like, you know, if you're going to have this type of a business of what you're doing, here's the people you want to have in there because of X, Y, Z. Well, I'll give you one example. Um, uh, I was a member of, uh, an organization that, uh, uh, we helped each other in business and, uh, we had a meeting, um, uh, the, the president was there and the other officers were there. And the issue was, Things were moving forward. We were supposed to follow a specific schedule, and it wasn't getting done. And even though the president was sitting right there, um, uh, one of the uh, officers says, you know, the problem we have uh, is we have no leadership. And, and the president's sitting right there, and he agreed. And what happened is you had about eight people with college degrees, but you didn't have one power person. And so the power up, if we had, if we had a 15 year old power person, things would have gotten done. And, and, and the difference with power people is they're willing to get things done regardless of what other people feel about it. They don't have the time to uh, try to understand how everyone uh, feels and what their emotions are with regards to a directive that they give. They just got to get it done. And so that's, the, the issue is they're willing to be disliked. Power people are willing to be disliked. And in so doing, they do get things done. Now, a wisdom and a love and a justice, that's a problem because we don't like to cause conflict. So that's one example of you need a power person if, if, if there isn't one. And sometimes you might have an entrepreneur owning a business they're not a power person. Good chances, good chances there might be justice. And they really do need a power person. But um, uh, another one is uh, the physical abstract result I told you about. Uh, a salesperson usually is a good one, is usually after an abstract result. That's what, they're, that's what they're generating. And so they would come up with all these great ideas. Uh, it was uh, um, a local company. And um, come up with great ideas, and um, but in order to implement them, they go to this one individual who has to facilitate all the ideas they have. Let's say they're going to do a convention, and someone has to facilitate this. So what was happening is the abstract people were trying to give the physical-oriented individual all these directives, and there was always arguments because they couldn't see what the other one was doing, and that's uh, another aspect of this. Um, and so when you're having an organization, a team, you need to look at what do you actually do? Because there's so many different kind of corporations. What are you doing? And then from there, you can design a, a team that, that is well-oiled, just works beautifully with each other. Uh, and it could be they're all justice people. It could be three justice and a power. It, it could be a combination of many things. Uh, so, uh, and I've done that. I've done that with uh, corporations in my area, and uh, and really, it stopped interoffice uh, conflict. I could so see, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like from the leadership side, um, you want someone to be a power person so they can get things done. But then, in the back of my mind, I'm saying not really because you can be, let's say, a justice person, and your go-to person is a power person who gets things done for you. Is that, does that kind of work yeah, in that yeah, kind of synergy? Yeah, yeah exactly. Hey, have that power person do things that you don't want to do. But for example, you know, power people are willing to fire, fire people, uh, demote people, transfer people, and not think anything of it. They, 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 they may feel bad about having to do it, but doing it has to do with getting the job done. And they have their uh, boss above them. And so that's what they're here to do. Be responsible and take care of business to get the uh, bottom line up. And if it means firing somebody, they're willing to do it. So if you need someone gone, you go to the power person and they'll do it for you. Very interesting. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, one of the things is, you know, when you, when you wrote this book, just keeping on the topics of all this, you know, I always love to ask someone when they wrote a book, who did you write the book for? Uh, I, oh, my clients. 
my clients have been asking for a book now for years. And um, so that's what really promoted the idea is I've just got to get this down in writing. I was spending too much time assessing people and, and actually expanding this and creating workshops and seminars and, uh, and not, uh, 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 not writing a book. Um, and so now I just had to because there's too many people out there that they, they remember it and their, their life has changed and there's something they wish they had remembered in our session and they don't and they'd like to have a uh, resource. Very cool. Um, how, John, really quick, how can people, where do, you, where do you have the book at so people can get access to it? Because I know we've been chatting a lot about it and I just want to be able to give it, the listeners the chance to listen to know where to get it from. Yeah. Uh, so you can go to Amazon.com um, uh, uh, and under John Voris, V as in Victor, O-R-I-S. Uh, it's called the Discover, Discover the Power that Drives Your Personality. Or you can go to uh, johnvoris.com and you'll find it there. Very awesome. Now, a couple more, I just got a couple more questions before we get to our, our time limit here. But one of the things I, I, I'm curious to see, are you going to be writing any more books on this? Yeah, I'm already in the process. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, the reason why I asked, too, because you brought up a lot of good things. Like I'm looking at in my head like relationships and I'm just going – I wonder if he has something along the lines of a relationships in like the synergies or like, is there ways, is there hope? Cause let's say, cause some people get like caught up and I know I was like this years ago where they'd be like astral signs. And if you're a Virgo and there's this person, you know, you're going right. to gel or you're not going to. Um, and they'll talk about like ways that the person can connect and not connect just for people who may be listening, um, feeling that, um, is there, you know, hope in some ways and not, or is it just cut and dry? Uh, it's, I teach people techniques and methods if they want to struggle through. But um, my recommendation is uh, just look at it as like an experience and move on because uh, it can be very toxic. For example, I've seen power and love people marry and they really have a problem and they don't want to separate because of children or uh, whatever. And before you know it, someone's got a relationship on the side and it really causes so many problems. Um, you, I can give the pie would in that case, I would give the power person tools to uh, uh, understand the love person. And if they're willing to do that, then the adjustment can be made, but it's very difficult. Gotcha. And I, and I, I went with one question, turned it into something else. Is that it, you, the next book you're working on? Are you able to like share or just talk like what it may be on? Uh, it's going to be, it, it, uh, no, it's going to be uh, the, uh, the book that I have uh, on Amazon, but it's going to be expanded and it's going to be a little bit more of how to uh, this, this, this book is descriptive. Uh, but the next one is go going to be yeah, more of how to how to uh, understand wisdom, love, and justice, etc. And um, the other is that in my book um, that I have now, I do have uh, uh, a great deal on relationships now and how they interact. So if someone can uh, ascertain what their life theme is, they can look at their a spouse or friend, uh, boss, employee, and get and get an understanding of what they that person may be, and look and, and read the book, and you can see if that relationship uh, resonates with what you've discovered, and that's how you decide. You can actually read the book first, and then start analyzing the people around you, and you can you could be pretty accurate on uh, who they are. That's pretty cool. For everyone listening, I will have in the show notes how to get access to the book. John, how can people connect with you? They want to follow up with what you're up to and everything that you're doing. How do they, what's the best ways to get and connect, uh, connect with you? Well, you can uh, email me at uh, john at authentic-systems.com. And of course, you can contact me through my site, which is johnboris.com. 
Awesome. John, I want to appreciate having you on. I felt this was uh, some wonderful wealth of information. And I, I can I can feel just by talking with you the the pivotal changes this can this makes in people's lives and gives them um, some authenticity back and to be a little more an inspired and filled life, which is a big mission of mine. So uh, for all the listeners, I highly recommend checking out John's book and, and his work and what he's up to um, for this. Um, but thank you for your time and thank you for uh, being on. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.